Welcome to the pilot episode of Four Seasons in a Funeral, the show where we go back and watch shows that had four really good seasons and a horrible final fifth season. In our pilot episodes, we will be talking about the pilot episode of the J.J. Abrams Fever Dream slash masterpiece Fringe. Fringe first premiered on September 9th, 2008 and ran until January 18th, 2013. It was created by J.J. Abrams, Alex Kurtzman, and Roberto Orsi and stars Anna Torv as FBI agent Olivia Dunham, John Noble as kinda crazy scientist Walter Bishop, and Joshua Jackson as Walter's son, Peter Bishop. My name is Charlie and joining me today are David and Nick. So why do you say joining me today? Like you're implying other people are going to show up? Yeah, hell. Oh, by the way, hi, I'm Nick. Hi, I'm David. Uh, all right. So uh, yeah, as you hear, as you heard, we're going to be doing a podcast all about shows that have five seasons and the last one being terrible. We're starting with Fringe, which I think is not, uh, is, it, is it debatable that the fifth season of Fringe was bad? Or is that just like a fact? No, it's this is a different show. It's just an entirely different show. Like, you agree with that, right, Charlie? Yeah. Like, it it would have been better if they just spun it off and did something else, but season five is a complete departure, departure, I, and it's super weird. I remember when I, like, watched this when it was on TV at the time and watching season four, and they tossed in the extra episode to essentially, like, open up season five, and I was like, what is this? What the hell is going on here? There was a perfectly fine plot, and then they just tossed in an episode for no good reason. It's yeah, great. It, <laughs> it's it's baffling and continues and is another example in the trend of JJ can't do endings. Oh, JJ, oh, JJ can't do endings. <sighs> don't he don't really worry about can't. that though. Hey, maybe we'll find a way to include him in a later part of this uh, show at some later point. That's not just Fringe. He can do beginnings though because the pilot to Fringe is fantastic in my opinion. Oh, it's great. Season season one season one is incredible. All right, before we get into that, let's go over quickly how much of the show we've actually seen. Because we did all watch episode one in preparation for this uh, podcast be uh, beforehand. Uh, personally, I just finished season one of Fringe uh, like four days ago. <laughs> yeah, that was, of course you did. Uh, I, got, I got David to start watching it because of some uh, fun stuff this past semester. Um... So I, I made him watch the first like three episodes. Then you went off and watched the rest of the season in like how many days? Like five or six days. <laughs> about a work week. <laughs> you know, a work week of fringe. It was yeah. only about like 15 or 16 episodes. <laughs> well, David, this is just your job now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so David just recently started watching. Uh, I watched while it aired. Uh, up until I think about halfway through season four, and then went back about a year ago or two years ago, watched the entire thing, and then I'm doing another rewatch now. And I'm about halfway through season one at this point. And I watched, um, so I watched starting in season two when it aired, because uh, my parents were like, no, too scary at the time to watch season one. Uh, so I watched starting in like season two through season four, and then started watching season five, and then just kind of lost interest in it while season five was going on, plus like high school. Uh, so uh, I then watched season one on my own. I see you're, I see you're leaving like red like breadcrumb like hints for how old you are by the way oh, like, yeah, no. like oh, just, I, don't, I don't care i really just don't the care breadcrumb trail where it's like semester in high school or like Ooh, also like yeah my parents spooky. said i couldn't watch it because it was too scary <laughs> which is funny because i remember i think my mom and i being really excited to watch the show because the trailers kept coming up for it 
Yeah. And, and my parents were like, no, you're not allowed to watch that show. I was like, <laughs> all right, I guess, I guess not. And like, to be fair, what like season, like episode one, kind of. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Let's, let's go into jump it. Jump into that. Yeah, let's, let's just uh, jump into that. First things first, we will start with, I'm, this is completely stolen from a different uh, podcast that does recaps of a TV show uh, where they do the TV guide a summary that would have been in the TV guide at the time. So this is for season one, episode one called Pilot. In the pilot episode, an FBI agent recruits a brilliant but incarcerated scientist, played by John Noble, and his estranged, sharp-witted son, played by Joshua Jackson, to investigate an airborne tragedy that may harbinger a trend of increasingly unsettling phenomena. The executive producers include J.J. Abrams, Alex Kurtzman, and Roberto Orsi. Interesting that it lists John Noble and Joshua Jackson, but not Anna Torv in I, that. Had, she's not, had she not done anything else at this point? Um, you have to imagine she has. I don't know, and I don't really want to look that up right this instant. Yeah, yeah, but, but I, I don't. Yeah. This might have been her jumping off thing. Because yeah, she's. The, I would argue that she's more of like the main character than uh, either of the bishops. A hundred percent. Right, right now, yes. Yeah, uh, at the very least, starting in season one, uh, I do appreciate that with this. You know, with this also, with this episode being the pilot, that they make sure to include a plane. Yes, I'm so glad that. that I got to start this off with a pun. I'm so. Oh, it was the same thing in Lost. They had the plane and the Lost pilot. Exactly, and who, guess who? Guess who did that? Also, oh, JJ, <laughs> I noticed there. I for watching it through again. I noticed how many lens flares there were, and it's I was so like. Oh my it's, god, JJ! It's, it's unsettling. so many lens flares, and it—if it, you keep watching the season, it—they keep popping up, and you're like, "This has JJ's fingerprints all over it." Episode and two was so bad about it as well. <laughs> episode one, when we'll we'll get into it, I'll mention okay. it when it comes up. Episode one has a bunch of them in it. Yeah. Oh, it, it's so really many. interesting noticing them now, and then Star Trek comes out a year from this air date, pretty much. And it? was it that soon? Yeah. Star yeah. Trek was 2009. This was 2008. Wow. I have a different Trek. timeline. The original air date for this episode was September 9th, 2008 as well. It was about an hour and 20 minutes. So like a double, uh, double. Yeah. And uh, so let's go into the actual episode deeper then. So uh, essentially we open on a flight. There is a man who's very nervous looking or so- something's going on. And he uh, takes what I, we assume to be like an insulin shot or something. That's the only way you could have gotten that on the plane, right? Like 2008. Yeah. Well, later so... on in the later on in the episode too, they have like a close up photo of the needle he uses, and someone circles it kind of unnecessarily and goes diabetic insulin <laughs> needle. <laughs> Just so I mean, to yes. get that point across. Yeah. Um, he then gets very sick and starts to literally melt while vomiting. And at that point, I remember in my notes, I wrote, what the fuck, JJ? What a way to start a show pilot. <laughs> we are in like the first minute and there is a man melting. Oh, it was a solid way to start the show. Yeah. And then in the next minute, everyone is melting. <laughs> Do we think that, by the way, looking at it, I like rewatched that a li- like a couple times trying to like actually see. And it looks like it's all by like contact or like coughing. And things like that that it spreads because you notice that like you know the the um what's her name um the flight attendant uh her part of her face that he like coughed on and like kind of threw up on was what started melting 
It's a hundred percent bodily fluids. Yeah. It's probably like a flesh-eating bacteria or something that they like combined with a virus would be the science I assumed behind it. Nah, it's all just random chemicals. <laughs> it is. It is just random chemicals. To be fair, when when they go over it later, it is just a list of random chemicals. Yeah, exactly. So everyone, everyone on this plane suffers a horrific melty death, and then yes. somehow, hey, the plane landed. And this is the first little, like, we're in a future because it's the first plane with an autopilot system. So it landed itself. Yes. Ooh, oh, it's so good. Then we do also get to see the awesome uh, opening credits of the yes. show. Oh. I wrote down every single word that was in the opening credits this time. Ooh. So it was psychokinesis, teleportation, nanotechnology, artificial intelligence, precognition, dark matter, uh, genetics. Suspended animation, artificial intelligence, sorry, not genetic, cyber, cybernetics, Ooh, dark matter, psychokinesis, and transmogrification. <sighs> yeah, and then also during that opening sequence, you actually very briefly get to see all the, the glyphs that the show will use as commercial bumpers. Yep, as you zoom out there. Yep. Yeah. And did you guys and... also hear the projector sounds? No, I didn't hear those. So listen, I'm pretty sure it's in all the episodes. Uh, but essentially, as you zoom out every time, there's like a like a like very specific like three clicks. It's like that happens every three times, and it kind of sounds like when you're like flipping from like slide to slide on a projector. Oh, okay. That's, huh. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. So like, listen for it, or like I don't know, but it's because it's the zooming out thing. I'm assuming. So mm -hmm. l listen for it. It's it is there. <laughs> yeah. No, this right. is one of the better opening sequences for a show at the time it's a, a well also it's a hell of a cold open because this all of that murder yeah. and melty happens before the title like opening credits and that is a hell of a cold open oh yeah especially just with the the you know at this point everyone dead on a plane was the last little scene right before the start of it and you've yeah. none of the main characters or anything like that just no. yeah i don't know if i i, I guess if i was watching this and it just and like it came on, and I had no idea of what the show was. I don't know if I would keep watching after that. Yeah, no, or if you're like excited to watch it with your kid, and this came on, you'd be like, <laughs> oh, no, we're gone, bye. And any remembrance to that, Charlie? Uh, no, my mom and I love this show. Hell yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, but that's because uh, yeah. you and your mom are cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm like, well. Yeah. It was only uh, rated TV-14. Which is... Yeah, that probably fits for the time. I like, uh, yeah. That's probably the most. I know this. This shows a lot of body horror, mm -hmm. and oh, yeah. not a lot of gore horror. Like it's all like imagine. I mean, you say that, but the first episode. <laughs> I know, but then they don't do that. Gore. They don't do that a lot more often. Oh, uh, dude, the second episode, that cold open. No, we'll no, no, we'll no, get no, into no. that later. Get to that. No, so okay. <laughs> so after the title sequence, we then open onto a motel. And yes. Anna Torv has just finished having sex with... Allegedly. Yeah, we assume that. Alleged sex happened. I uh, noticed there was the classic trope of now that the sex has happened, the woman is busily covering herself with the sheets. Oh, yeah, <laughs> sheets up to her. You have the L sheets where it's down. His chest is bare, but hers are up around her neck. Yeah. Yep. Which, like, um, all I'm going to say is that those are some impressive maneuvers for every TV show to have. Yeah. It's important to show at least two nipples, but no more. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can have one nipple of each person, but not no, anymore. No, 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 no
So we find out that this is uh, our main character, uh, Special Agent Olivia Dunham, and the man she just finished having sex with is John Scott, her partner, which is apparently a no-no within the FBI who would have thunk it. Well, at this point, we don't know they're actually FBI yet because they're just talking about work and stuff, but it yeah, does get revealed yeah. pretty quickly. You know, it's a are. workplace romance. Yeah. Well, the next, the next scene is they get a, she gets a phone call and then they have to take separate cars to the crime scene so as to not arouse suspicion. Also, can we, can we talk about the fact that, like, I guess neither of them lives alone? That they've decided that they're going to be in a motel for the night because I'm th- like they both live in the city that they're in at the time. No, but Nick, that's too suspicious. Someone will see uh, them bringing the other back to their house if they just both go to a motel in separate cars. Everyone yeah, will assume this, they're just sleeping with someone else. This oh, also, yeah, I feel totally. like we should mention this also isn't like a, one of them is married affair. This is just avoiding work drama. Yeah, because <laughs> their boss isn't keen on interdepartment relationships like they could go to each other's apartments but they're like no despite the fact that like charlie definitely knows like <laughs> okay yeah. also charlie is a character on the show ah. he's an fbi agent his name is charlie francis <laughs> we should just call him francis for simplicity's sake <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll go with, we'll go with francis it'll, it'll be easier also it's implied later on that like everyone knew yeah, yeah. exactly so yeah. they're, they're doing they're doing a stand-up job going to these motels yeah so yeah then uh they both show up at the airport we get our first sight of the very fancy titles that are 2008 like perfect technology that top of the line those, titles. those glossy location cards yeah it's it's oh. like it's really good word art and i can't imagine how easy like that's just in like windows movie maker nowadays right like i could just oh, actually windows movie maker doesn't exist anymore does it <laughs> it also like I, I have the scene up and it kind of looks like they gave it like a, a drop shadow oh rtx is definitely on but <laughs> the issue the issue is is like you're leading up to a scene at night and there's headlights on but the entire thing is very evenly lit yeah no it's, it doesn't look drops, right and there's it headlights was... going directly on it and okay it, it was it was like 12 years ago we like yeah, and it was a TV show, like, and it does it does in a way fit the motif of the show. Like, it does work well for the show. Yeah, um, it would look really stupid in like a comedy, for example. Yeah. Uh, oh my god, just how I met your mother. <laughs> ooh, ooh, the bar, McLarens. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so oh, any... getting back Anyways. on track. They yes. mentioned you're right. They mentioned it's the future because it's a very it's a auto it's the first of its kind an auto landing jet that's very fancy. Well, it's not even the future. It's just more technologically advanced our time. Yeah, because this is set yes. in in Fringe Universe. This is 2008. Right. They didn't. <laughs> they did not have uh, planes that f- uh, flew by wire in 2008. They did, but I don't think they had self landing planes. Yeah, um... like I feel like. <sighs> Yeah, I'm not well versed in aviation to know that, but it just them hey, throwing away that line. Hey, just... aviation heads, leave leave a little uh, note in the comments telling us how wrong we are about this. Nick already very optimistic that anyone is listening to this. <laughs> Nick already optimistic that David's even going to post this. God damn it, David! <laughs> this isn't just going to sit in the vault forever. <laughs> this is just going to sit on my hard drive somewhere. Ah, oh, fuck you, David. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. They arrive at the airport, and right. we get the first introduction of probably one of my favorite actors and characters on this show in, um, what is it, Chief Broyles? Uh, yeah, he's Homeland Security. So he's yes. in charge. He was in charge. So it's an inter. Um, oh, what's the word? Departmental. Yeah, uh, task force, and he's the in, in charge of it. But he is played by Lance Reddick, and I love Lance Reddick in just about everything he does because oh. his voice is so soothing. Oh, Lance Reddick is amazing. Lance Reddick is awesome. I have a note here uh, that is just Broyles exclamation point, and then uh, in brackets, expect tons of Jet Destiny jokes from Charlie. Oh God, <laughs> Gadian. That's that's all I well, have. Okay, also, also, just instead of Guardian, it's just liaison in this. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> liaison. Yeah. Uh, so Broyles comes off as very, very mean to Olivia because apparently he's upset that Olivia investigated and sent away one of his friends for sexual assault, and so does not call her Olivia or Dunham or Agent for ninety percent of the other episode, and just calls her liaison. In a very sassy tone. Oh, it's so sassy. He assigns uh, assignments to investigate the scene, and he's like, "Okay, John Scott, you're with like you're coming, uh, Francis, you're coming." And then he leaves out Olivia, and then Olivia goes to him and is like, "What the fuck? Why aren't I going?" And he goes, "Well, if you want to go, go get dressed and just join us." <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> yeah, like, <it's>... what? <laughs> just did you just like? I don't understand what the logic behind that was. I I take this as they didn't know what they wanted to do with Burrell's character just yet. So they just made him a dick. <laughs> yeah. dick. Left, it, left it open because a lot of the characters are dicks in this episode for like no reason. So we're also, this is also our first introduction to Charlie Francis. And one of the things that I just want to point out, because I love this fact, uh, is when these two actors addition, uh, initially uh, went out for their roles, uh, they actually auditioned for each other's ro- roles. So Lance Reddick auditioned for uh, Charlie Francis. Uh, and, and vice Kirk versa. Acevio? Acevedo? I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. I apologize. We are sorry. Yeah. He applied for the role of Philip Royals. And I just love the idea of those two playing the opposite roles. I'm glad they didn't because, oh boy, that would have been interesting. I forget what the one line that um, Francis uses in this in this episode, but I cannot imagine Broyles saying it. Um <laughs> There's there's a specific line I'm gonna Just have to any go. of their lines if they're swapped. I can't imagine church or I can't imagine Francis going liaison. <laughs> liaison. Yeah, and his, he's got a really raspy voice too. Really gruff stuff. raspy voice. Uh yeah, but anyway, so they go investigate the airplane and we get a really this detailed look at all the melted bodies. At which point I wrote another what the fuck JJ. <laughs> I'd also like to point out how many goddamn lens flares we get as we enter the plane. It's yep. impressive. Uh, yeah, that's not even like the he- heavy lens flare scene either. No, this is what's no. amazing. But you get like four in the span of like ten seconds, and also an impressive amount of guts on the ceiling. Yeah. Hey, when you're puking, I mean, puke your guts. That's a saying for a reason, I guess. <laughs> like six feet straight up, you're sitting down. This is a powerful virus, Nick. <laughs> you don't want to get it. I really don't. Okay. I will come into the defense of JJ for the lens flares in this scene, and they're not his traditional ones where it's light coming out of nowhere. It's flashlight directly, like center shot, 
that's the lens flare. That might have been a natural lens flare as well. That that's, might have just that's the natural been, lens flare. Yeah, that might have honestly just been the flashlight going into the lens of the camera. Entirely yeah. possible. The ones later on are not natural, but yeah. Don't worry. Uh, about so it. yeah, so they uh, gather evidence. Then I listen. I remembered hearing about this. They burnt the uh, airplane down. Yeah, no, kill it with fire. It's important. They just they melted it with fire. And then they went back to they go back to the FBI uh, office to go work off their leads. Yeah, they do a little detective work, and it eventually leads them to a kind of self storage spot. Yeah, because suspicious suspicious man. Hey, liaison, go do that because I don't want you anywhere near me. <laughs> <laughs> you got my friend in trouble for <laughs> sexual harassment. Hey, we don't know that yet. We just know he hates her. <laughs> No, she, she says mentions, she mentions it yeah, late just, in the episode. No, no, she mentions it. Oh, earlier. does she mention yeah. it early? She mentions when, it earlier as well. Yeah. When Broyles is showing up, she goes to Charlie and says, "He doesn't like me because I investigated his buddy for sexual assault and got him put away." Okay, they just they, they have a confrontation about it, later. about it later as well. Yes, that was what I was talking about. Before I thought it was like, "Hey, this is actually like good character," and David's like, "No, he he kind of waves the sexual assault away." I'm like, "Oh." Yeah, because yeah. that confrontation was like, oh, but uh, yeah. So, oh, right. They arrive at the self storage point place, uh, and then Olivia starts going, "Oh, you told me that you love me last night," and blah blah blah. Which is and a death I, sentence. And I wrote, "Is this really the time and place, Olivia?" <laughs> to be fair, she doesn't get another time. You're investigating a horrific accident, and you're making out with your boyfriend. <laughs> like, come on. Is is that not what gets you turned on? <laughs> I just, I, I mean, maybe this is why they don't want people dating in the department. <laughs> yeah, probably. So they start uh, breaking into all the self storage units one by because, one. Because remember, I'm an FBI agent, <laughs> and this is totally, totally how the law works. What are you doing? I'm an FBI agent. What are you doing? <laughs> I will arrest you. <laughs> Aren't pickpocks illegal to own? Shut up! I'm an FBI agent. Exactly. It's legal for me. Yeah, so they find one of the storage units houses like one of some like, monkeys, some albino rats, and a computer screen showing that it's doing sciencey stuff. And a hairless ferret. Oh, the poor ferret. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then the storage unit right across from it also opens up, and the suspicious guy who we did get a like a so short uh, look at earlier while he was driving down the street um, comes out of the storage locker. And important to note, because um, this confused the person I was watching it with, um, he is the exact same person as the one who injected himself and started melting on the plane. Yes. Yes. Which I... is very confusing the first time you watch it. Because <laughs> the first time so. I was like, did he not melt? Did he unmelt and then ran away? To be but... fair, he was the guy who injected himself with it, so yeah so that was but you would hope he had a better plan until you later find out right (laughs) so they he they see him he starts running they start running and then Uh, they chase him there's a really cool crane shot as well i remember of all the storage containers of all the storage containers forming like a maze yes that was super cool very cool shot and i wonder how long it took to set up those crates or if the storage company they filled at just happen to have them like that and they're like oh this works yeah they also like, have a side business as a paintball place <laughs> like to be honest if i had a bunch of storage crates i wouldn't just act up if the space It'd be way more yeah. fun 
you know yeah but uh yeah and then we have what i think is an ongoing theme at least in season one of traps and people never realizing traps exist oh yeah booby traps they, are yeah. super common they, they, no they run right because john runs right into a trap and gets blown up to be fair that dude must have rented off like 20 storage lockers and just filled them with explosives because if you look like an entire row of them go off which is so, incredible you know what's I wouldn't so great that. also great about this scene so it's it's him on the far side john scott in the middle and then olivia on the other side and olivia and the guy they're chasing I would say, are about equal distance away from the explosions. Olivia gets tossed 20 feet back into a storage container. And, and slammed. And steely-eyed, staring at the explosion, not moving. Well, no, the important thing is he turned around, and therefore nothing happens. <laughs> it was a directional explosion. Duh. <laughs> it was magic science. Just don't worry about it. He pushed all the vectors of force towards them. Yeah, so Olivia gets done blown up and uh, wakes up in the hospital and somehow John Scott doesn't die from this no, no instead we get to see his skin becoming like transparent and we get to see all of his organs at which point I wrote once again what the fuck JJ this is a show pilot and also <laughs> shiny. for Just remember, all the shiny. special effects that we've kind of talked about so far this looks fantastic yeah, oh, honestly, this one definitely holds up, and it, and it holds up, and like throughout the entire episode, like the progression they show as well, super well done. Like, really, really enjoy that part of it. Yeah, and like they, because in the first shot you see him, it's kind of dirty and the skin's blackened from the explosion and stuff. But yes, when they clean it up later, they do several just look at the body, look at it shots, and it looks really good. The it's a hundred percent. It's 100% just practical, right? Like just a practical dummy or something? I don't... I actually have no idea. I have no idea how that was done. I, I feel like it's not just a dummy, though, because that would take so much time to make. If it looks that good, though, still, like, I don't know, because we've seen what their CGI looks like already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to, be, to be fair, like, the face melting was pretty well done. Like, the CGI on that was pretty well done. I think that the face melting was practical as well. By the looks Maybe. of it, I just think it was just like mask or makeup and stuff. Maybe because we didn't really see any of it like moving. It was just, hey, he turned back, his face was melting. He spat stuff up on the other person, and then we didn't get to see any actual melting. Yeah, that's fair. Either way, looks really good. Yeah. No matter oh, how yeah. they did it. Yeah, but uh, any anyway, so yeah, his skin's going translucent, and they Olivia starts basically looking through the FBI like uh, records to find any sort of clue or connection because yeah. it's explained oh he got exposed to the chemicals in the storage unit and he's suffering similar effects to what melted the people but it's but not... they're raw materials so it's fine yeah. they weren't mixed properly so he's not going to melt he's just slowly i think it's explained he crystallizes slowly basically yeah. at this point we get to see a picture of non-crazy uh walter bishop by the way in yeah. all of her search records and also, can we just point out, how did she decide every single like time that she, sh that she searched something, she always found Bishop? It's either she's like putting in the word Bishop into her search bar, or Walter 100% stole people's work, because you do not have that much stuff published. There's no way. According, according to the show, he worked on literally everything. 
Well, no, because they literally there's a line later on when she so she she finds this connection and then she goes to um, uh, broils about it to uh, talk about it. And I think at one point she mentions that uh, he was thought of as the contemporary Albert Einstein by his peers mixed with Frankenstein. Yeah. But like everyone in the scientific community knew who he was and he was this like amazing genius. Yes. Yeah. So agree there. She follows that and goes, well, he did research on this. I need to get him. Um, she goes talk to yeah. Broyles about getting him, and Broyles is like, I ain't going to give you nothing. He needs family sign-out. Go track down his son. Oh, well, also... Every... Sorry, also, he's in a mental institution. <laughs> yeah, he's trapped in St. Clair's. He's been there for 17 years. <laughs> uh, because he there was a fire at his lab that killed an assistant, yeah. and they never fully like criminally charge him. But they were like, eh, you're crazy. We're going to throw you in a, a sanatorium. Yeah, definitely. Like, hey, you probably shouldn't be out in the world anymore. He got charged with manslaughter, was what they said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he was never convicted. Yeah. No. Uh, there's also a great interaction here. Is th- This is where they have the confrontation about um, her having uh, gotten his friend in trouble. Uh, which is uh, where I wrote down that uh, Broyles is not woke. And he would not survive in the Me Too era because uh, he goes on about how uh, a man who has served the country, uh, country very well for like blah years should not be punished for a small lapse in judgment. Uh, it's really great. I have the exact same thing about ouch, Me Too, ouch, in my notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, small lapse in judgment. Like, ugh. and then she's like, yeah, small lapse in judgment that traumatized three women. Like, not even one. He oh, went after oh, three. It's horrifying. Like, they never actually bring up what the incident is. Like, I think this is the end of what we hear about. But, like, ooh, it's that Again, really, this, really bad. This just gives me more fodder of they didn't know. Like, I think Broyles was intended to be that hard nosed asshole boss. Yeah. Or, like, he only cares about results. Which kind of carries through, and it this was supposed to be like, I don't care what he did, he did his job. I guess I don't it's know. So just the term, just I have the term in quotes: small lapse in judgment. Oh <laughs> yeah, no, oh, oh. it was really bad. Or, or that was intended to be a bigger plot point. And yeah, like, I feel like uh, it had to have been just because away. of how much it was brought up in the mm-hmm. episode, and then just hey, other things were working well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do have in my notes that he'd be friends with uh, Spacey. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> oh, David, David, no. <laughs> Which I think is the worst thing you can say about someone. <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh, okay, yes. So, so back going back to it, they <laughs> Olivia realizes that they learn that the only reason that, the only way they can get to Walter is they need his um. Uh, next of kin to sign them out, essentially. Yeah. So yes. they go and track down uh, his son, Peter Bishop, who also happens to be a genius. He has a 190 IQ. Uh, it's explained that he taught chemistry at MIT. With a fake degree. Out. Yeah, he got kicked out because they found out that he forged a graduate degree. Not before uh, he got stuff published, though. Yes, he published which several is... papers while there, which is super ballsy. That is that is super ballsy and also real impressive because goddamn those aren't quick. No, he was there for a while. If that means... <laughs> MIT, not it's looking rough. Uh, but yeah, he is currently in Iraq. I think is what they said. Uh, yeah, he's yep, in Baghdad. Baghdad. Yep. Yeah, I really like the. I really like Olivia being like, oh yeah, no, he's just you know on the other side of the world. 
I'm a I'm a jet set and be over there and it's it's fine. Yeah, so they go she goes to Iraq to go get him and I have a oof at that CGI at the CGI uh airplanes in that scene because <laughs> they're not good looking. And we got some real good word art again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, those those helicopters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those identical helicopters moving in a perfectly straight line with no shading or shadows on them. Yeah, those ones. They were perfect. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's why. That's too, too perfect. Yeah. Hey, if you guys if you guys were watching it in DVD quality, it looked perfect. <laughs> How else are you supposed to know it's Baghdad in 2008 unless there's a lot of military and it is heavy on the yellow? Hey, I mean, yeah. it could be what's happening. Bag- it could be what's happening in six months. <laughs> Shh, don't worry about it. That's going to be fine. Nothing bad can happen there. Never. It's either it's either Baghdad or Mexico with the yellow filter, though. <laughs> oh, I, really, I really, really appreciate if all that they did, if it's like some later episode, they went to Mexico and it was just the exact same scene right there. They just changed the word art. <laughs> I just said Mexico instead. Like they're like they're like it's been like three seasons. No, it's gonna remember this. It's fine. They, they hey. just re- they just recycle the f- like exact same footage as well. It's not even like a different same set. It's just the same footage, same establishing shot. Yeah, I mean, hey, Stargate filmed hundreds of planets all in the same stretch of fo- of forest in Vancouver. I'll give them that. That is pretty impressive. Every for every planet in the universe in stargate is apparently a heavy dense forest just so they can film in vancouver it's amazing all right then (laughs) yeah so she tracks peter down uh he's doing an oil deal i think with iraqi merchants just to show off how Mm -hmm. much of a con artist he is because he also speaks farsi and he goes through a whole bunch of technical stuff that only a technical person would know and then it's like yeah no 600k is fine yeah and then (laughs) again for no reason is just an absolute ass he literally their first interaction he says something something honey and then continues to call her sweetheart yeah it's something something honey something something sweetheart i don't like my dad (laughs) yeah like poor olivia as well because she gets called sweetheart sweetheart or honey by basically everyone in this episode or liaison (laughs) It's well, no, so... Royals calls her sweetheart and honey as well. Oh my god, he does. He does. It's so demeaning. It's just... so demeaning. It hurts. It just hurts a little bit. And having seen this show and knowing like how the characters actually develop, it's so out of place. It's so jarring. <laughs> so crazy. It is extraordinary how, oh, yeah. how strange it is. I kept track of it. I think they mentioned, I think Peter calls Olivia sweetheart, I think, three or four times. <laughs> Honey gets said at least five times in the episode. Yeah. At least. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Olivia blackmails Peter, essentially. He, she, yeah, makes right. a, she says some stuff about how the FBI has a file on him, and that if he doesn't want that uh, basically fucking up his life, he's got to go and sign his dad out of the mental institute. Exactly, and that's fine. Here we get introduced to probably the best actor on the show. He... I am fully believing in the fact that John Noble never underperforms in the show, ever. I'd have to agree with you. He does a really, really, really good job in the show. At... He also had he had a big like he had a lot of on his, on his plate. Like that is not an easy role. Oh my god, no! And he does he does a really good job at being able to play through the the lucid and the crazy moments, especially in season one. Yeah, the first 
five episodes, he goes through a range. Because even so, they get to the mental institution and Olivia goes to talk to him and is like, hey, you did some work on this. I need your help figuring out what happened. The man I love is dying and I need your help. And Walter's just like, oh, on Tuesdays, they serve this horrible butterscotch pudding. And she goes, well, it's not Tuesday. And he goes, oh, what wonderful news. Like he hasn't heard anything else. And then something clicks and he's like, I can save him. But it's, he he plays it fantastically. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And is it's so sad when he's like, I knew someone would come for me eventually. And oh, it's, it's... he's amazing and probably my favorite character on this show. And it's also impressive because they show in this episode just how much St. Clair's has like messed him up over the time because you see him and you see him while he's in like this initial like setup, like first scene that he's in compared to where he's in in like the next couple episodes. And yes, he's still dealing with a lot in those next couple episodes. But like, you know, they focus in on his fingers like twitching and him not being able to like focus on anything like he's looking everywhere. He's yeah, he's not broken. there. He's very much broken at the time. And it's it's impressive to see like how well they did that. And John Noble just he looks so tired and pale and sick. Oh yeah, I was I made a oh. note about his beard as well. Like his just his facial hair, just how untamed it is. Yeah, and like he yeah, like Nick said, he's got his hand up and it's just his fingers are twitching the entire time and he's mm-hmm. He's just not quite lucid, and you have to say stuff to him five times to get it through. And they do close-ups on his face, and he he always nails those where it's he he's so sad, but then he gets a little bit hopeful, and it all comes through in his face. And it's probably one of the best TV performances you'll see. <laughs> it was really well done. And then going on to that first lucidity, that like that first little bit of like lucidity that he had after saying I could save him, he then it clicks in his mind that the only way that Olivia could be there was because Peter was there and immediately there wants to see a son. Genius. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's immediate for or him he, that he knows that he draws all those like, connections and all those stuff and like deducts that idea. Yeah. He's At like, point, Oh, he's, he's this crazy guy. And then he's like, my son has to be here because I have a hold unless it's family. So family has to be here. And the only family I have is my son. Exactly. And it's really, really like, then, then we get introduced to the start of Walter's introductions to the rest of the team, which are incredible. I love, like, the first lines that he says to a bunch of people are great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so... Uh, oh, his Peter... first line to Peter is wonderful. Oh, oh so yeah, good. so Peter shows up, and Walter's just first line is, I thought you would be fatter. Oh, it was great. <laughs> which is amazing, because that's something my parents say to me a lot as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so it's... Peter goes in and Walter, after saying that and being like, oh, as a kid, I thought you'd end up fatter, jumps up and tries to do a quick medical exam on him and like checks his eyes. Like grabs, and becomes, grabs his face and starts looking. Yeah. Um, it kind of becomes a theme for the next, basically the next season, is he's always worried about how Peter is doing health-wise. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Charlie, you and I know. Yes, yes. If anyone else has seen the show, you know exactly why, but it's... I don't think David knows yet. I the stinger. I have theories and stuff, but we're trying to be non-spoilery on the podcast. So this yeah. is fair. That's why yeah. we're not saying anything past that. Yeah, we won't. We won't get into that. Well, well, I that would be a good time to mention. 
yeah, that we're going to try to, for those kind of things, I think there's one or two things we're going to talk about that's outside of the uh, first couple episodes, like The Observer, we're going to mention. Oh, yeah. But um, in each episode, we'll try to only maintain as if we've just been watching them all the way through. Like, we won't talk too much about things that are in the future. Cough as a uh, specific, as we all mentioned, episode two multiple times in this episode. It's that's because we watched both, to be fair. That's why it's on the mind right now. (laughs) And I have notes for episode two. (laughs) But yeah. Uh, Uh, Yeah. So they get Walter out. He shaves the beard because I guess that wasn't in John Noble's contract or. They're allowed. Oh, yeah. I made a note of this. They're allowed scissors in the Mental Institute. Yeah. They let him shave himself, which I thought was crazy. And he also just used scissors. Like, there's a scene of him cutting his beard with scissors, and then he comes yeah. out, like, super clean shaved. And I'm like, there's no way in hell he okay. shaved that well with just David, a pair of scissors. David, you've never had a beard, so you don't know this. Charlie, like, and, and the little bit of the time where I had a beard, when I tried to shave off my beard with just a straight razor, uh, with just, like, a razor after, um, it was the most painful, like, hour and a half of my life. Oh, no, it sucks. <laughs> You you need that scissors. You need those scissors you to, to start to, to get it trimmed. Well, that's fine. You start with scissors, but then that this implies that he also had access to a razor blade. Yeah. At yeah. a mental institute. I see. Well, I see no issues with this plan. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so they they get him. Yeah. After they give him sharp objects, uh, they check him out of the hospital under Peter's kind of authority as his legal guardian at this point, mm-hmm. and they're they're driving to uh to john scott at the hospital and there's some really good scenes where walter's just kind of talking about how oh i used to work with this guy called william bell and they're like wait sorry you work with william bell and he's like oh you know of him and he's like oh no he just owns a small company and the small excuse you it turns out to be a multi-billion dollar corporation called massive dynamic which goes on to play a massive role in the plot of the show Sorry, did you mean General Electric? Not not Massive Dynamic there, right? <laughs> Nick, and I were, Nick and I were trying to talk about what is the closest real-life company to what Massive Dynamic is in the show, and we concluded that it must be General Electric, because General Electric also just does everything. Also, just the fact that it works. Like, the, the two names work. It's, yeah. the, it's yeah. the simple two words. Like, it was like, yeah, no, this is probably what they were going for, is it's just GE. Yeah. As far as I know, though, General Electric does not have private armies in the middle east at least i hope not they're just really good (laughs) at hiding that stuff uh but yeah so they end up going to the uh, hospital to look at uh john scott and look at his body uh there we see uh zero trust from essentially anyone in the team olivia does not trust the others (laughs) walter does not trust them and then uh, peter does not trust either anyone as they just try to examine the body and it does not go well Hey, I'd like to point out, remember how you guys were concerned about Walter having, like, a razor and himself? Yeah, no, why don't we just give him a scalpel, like, immediately well, out of, outside of the mental institution? No, he doesn't, of... they don't give it to him. He takes it, and then Peter's like, what the hell are you doing? He's crazy. Yes. And he goes to cut a piece of John Scott off. Which yeah, is fine. scrapes him off some John Scott skin. Uh, and then goes, well, we have to go take this to my lab. And they went, you worked in the basement of Harvard. 30 years ago your lab is gone and they He's, eventually he, he get... has a completely normal reaction to that of course yeah he has a, he flips out he throws <laughs> literally flips a thing starts yeah. screaming yeah um, and then 
Olivia goes to Broyles and is basically like, give me the lab. And Broyles like, I know you and John Scott were involved. And she's like, cool, give me the lab. I, didn't, I, was, I have a note here. More <laughs> casual sexual harassment from Broyles. <laughs> Just more casual. Like, I think you were sleeping with John Scott. Just yeah. Don't worry about it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Which is and once true, again, we, st- still. we still get Broyles bring back in those honey and sweetheart words. That they're, yeah. they're so great. Oh. Um, Oh, they, yeah. they get the lab set up and Walter starts rhyming off stuff he needs, like blood samples, materials, <laughs> and then he needs a purebred cow. Also, some of the other chemicals that he needs, it's like 800 kilos of something. It's like Yeah, it's like 5 kilos of silicon. No, it's like 100 kilos of silicon. Yeah, it's... He needs a lot of <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah, like I can't imagine what the bill on this must have been, plus the purebred cow. Yeah, I can't imagine how much the cow cost, yeah. It's a purebred cow, too. Her name is Jean, and she is a mainstay in the show. A.K.A. the best character. Yes. Yes, Jean does have the best character development of oh, the yeah, entire easily. show. Easily. But, but like, cow. You, you have to have your animal counterpart. And I think we at that point, we also get introduced to the cat that's in the lab. Because there was a, there, there's definitely a cat in the background of a couple episodes. Oh, they, like, they insert like a meow into it every once in a while so there's a there's a spot in the episode where a cat meows and you just see if you look at like one of the back windows there's a cat back there huh yeah i never noticed that before all right well it is there i don't know if it's at this point i think it might be while they're treating john later in the episode but there is a cat right i think this is where we actually get introduced to astrid who Uh, is another member Uh, of the team my favorite and is Astrid Farnsworth, played by uh, Jaskia Nicole or Jaskia Nicole? Nicole? Yeah. Uh, Something like my that. My headcanon also for this show is that she is a far off ancestor of Professor Farnsworth from Futurama, as that is the only <laughs> thing that makes sense. Or, like, if we're going real, like, real world, you could also have it be like Philo Farnsworth. Also, that, yeah, but I like mine better. Yeah. But uh, so she is an assistant FBI agent who serves, who ends up serving sort of as like the the team assistant, or like yeah. the second second uh, researcher. Yeah, she's the lab assistant. Mm-hmm. Um, I somehow think... FBI sanctioned lab assistant. Yeah, because that's now her job. Well, she did. She does mention she minored in computer science and majored, I think, just in something. <laughs> I forget what some, it is. A, a science. Some science. I'm sure. Yeah. I just feel bad for her because she's like, hey, I'm going to come to the FBI and I'm going to the FBI. And they're like, no, go to a chem lab and babysit someone. <laughs> Basically, it's like, I'm going to leave academia. It's going to be great. They're like, how did I become a lab assistant again? But this We're, time, please, but this time, a- <laughs> I get no credit for anything that I do. Work with this crazy guy and clean up after him. We're doing nothing but replication papers. <laughs> Oh, poor Astro. <laughs> yeah, that's also uh, a running joke is started where Walter cannot remember her name. I, it, I don't think it properly begins in this and just he has to be reminded who she is, yeah. but in later episodes. I think it starts around like episode five or six, because in the first couple of episodes, he just doesn't remember her existing. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, Dale has to get introduced to Astrid like three times three in this episode. Times, yeah. But uh, so they end up discussing and they realize that the only way they can like devise a cure for John Scott's condition is that they need to know exactly what uh, chemicals he was uh, hit with during the explosion. 
And they realize that the only way they could find that out is if they find the suspect. But unfortunately, none of them know what the suspect looks like, aside from John Scott. At which point, we get our first real, uh, well, not our first, but like our first Walter uh, fringe science moment of the show. We get introduced to the early formula of the show of fringy thing happens, Walter either worked on it or knows how it works, creates fringy thing to solve it, and then they solve it. Yeah. And this episode's fringy thing is the ability to share dreams of each other. And the way it works is you've got to be dosed with a lot of drugs and then (laughs) placed in a sensory deprivation tank and then stabbed in the back of your neck with a giant needle, (laughs) at which point you will be able to share a dream with someone. Also, we never see this happen to John Scott. It's it's only to her. Like yeah. we don't. I, I never remember seeing like anything. Well, you, you see the, the needle shoved into. You know, oh, do we? The needle shoved into John Scott's head. Yeah. Okay. Also, okay. throughout all of this, Peter Peter's just been a complete jerk always. Where Walter says something, he goes, "That sounds absolutely insane." To be fair, it, Peter's been the realist in this episode. Peter's yeah. like, "Hey, none of this makes sense. None of yeah. this should be happening." Peter's Peter's supposed to be somehow. The Everyman. Yeah, with an IQ of 190. Isn't, <laughs> where that, isn't that everyone's Everyman? <laughs> yeah, where he goes, this is absolutely crazy. And they're like, well, it's obviously happening. Open your mind. Like, help us figure this out. I'd also like to point out that at this point, Peter's... I don't know if it's truly come out, like, how like how deep his father was in. Like, because, of, like, Peter, mm-hmm. initially, when he talked about his father, was like, yeah, no, he oh, was yeah. in... Like that was helping out like a toothpaste company. Oh yes. And then Olivia basically is like, "No, what you heard was a lie." Your he father worked for the federal government, and was yes. basically just given a slush fund of money and could do whatever research he wanted. And he liked to do fringe science. Yeah, yeah, I forgot to mention that's where we get the title drop, where they say fringe this area of science that's known as fringe science. Yes, my favorite area of science. Yeah, it gets kind of CSI you know, techno babble every now have, and then. You have physics, chemistry, biology, and fringe. <laughs> you know, the, the, the best kind. What, what others might call pseudo, we call fringe. But uh, yeah, so they end up deciding to put Olivia into the tank so they can talk to John Scott. There is a th- uh, line that Walter also mentions that, uh, that he did this with a dead person. Is the, when they did it, and because uh, it works six hours, it works as long as they haven't been dead for longer than six hours. Because at this Which, point, because at that point, they're really dead, as Peter points out. Yep. Yes. <laughs> um, and then you get this is this is my JJ lens flare scene is the yep. shared dream sequence, and holy Jesus, there's yeah. fifty lens flares and about a two minute sequence. Fucking seizure warning. Oh, you also forgot to mention that Olivia has to strip down into her underwear. Oh, and then, sorry, uh, another amazing first thing that Walter says to someone. Olivia is talking with Charlie, um, and Walter comes over, and just as he's walking by, goes, you should probably strip to your underwear now, and says that to (laughs) Olivia. Then looks at Charlie and goes, oh, hello. (laughs) And that's how... And that's how Francis meets meets Olivia, or meets Walter. (laughs) That one was also incredible. But yes, they go into the weird dreamscape. There's about a bazillion fucking lens flares. And a super cute moment happens 
once uh, when they first see each other and where they kiss uh, because they show that like basically like both of them there's like a tick on their uh, thing uh, on their like mind you know oh it's like their brain function e- yeah yeah the EEG readings there's like a tick that happens and Peter just immediately goes what was that and Walter just smiles and goes oh nothing because Walter once- of course knows what two people making out in a dream state is like <laughs> yeah once again. It's time, place, and occasion. What the fuck, guys? This is not the time, place, nor occasion for this. Uh, interestingly, just going through the scene, um, when she's in the graveyard, there's a gravestone behind her that just says, he's not dead. Wait, what? Really? I didn't see that one. And I, I don't know if that's referring to uh, John Scott or if it's referring to other stuff. There's a couple. that I feel like that's one of those things that that uh, JJ probably tossed in as, hey, this will be a fun little thing to go back and see in episode one that they, that you can relate to a couple things that I might do later. Yeah, that's just... that's just... Yeah, that's JJ planting seeds that he didn't even know what they were growing into. It's just him yeah. putting hooks down. Oh, I like so it. you mean all of Lost? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, oh, he's not yeah, dead. that's crazy. Huh. All right. Uh, but yeah, so after the crazy dream sequence, she f- sees who the suspect is. We learn that it is a person called Richard Stieg. Stieg, yeah. Stieg, uh, who Stieg. is a former employee of Massive Dynamic. After learning that Richard Stieg had a twin who was on the plane, by the way. Yes. As this was not mentioned yet, guys. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. That's well, not I was, important. I was saving it for this to be like, hey, thought he survived, and then nope. Just a twin who killed his brother. Yeah. But uh, I think this is also where we see the circling of the uh, Neo. Diabetic pen. Yeah. The diabetic pen. It is. <laughs> like, ah, diabetes. It's important. And it's how you get stabby things on planes. But uh, so Olivia tries to schedule a meeting with uh, William Bell, the CEO of Massive Dynamic. And they're like, no, he's traveling. You can't see him. And so yeah, she's out like, of the country right, for two weeks. Is there anyone else I can talk to? And so she gets to meet Nina Sharp, another mainstay of the show. Yep. And on the title card to Massive Dynamic, you can see the very first sighting of the Observer, which. Oh, is that where he is? Yes, that's exactly oh, okay. where he is. Uh, yeah. It's... So for those of you uh, listening who have never seen Fringe before, the Observer is a bald man with absolutely no hair on him. And he appears in every episode. And that's as much once. That's as much as you need to know for now. <laughs> yep. It's it's real it's real fun to look for him. So go back and see if you can see him there. Uh, it's yeah. also at that point that we get our first um at the very least, the first time that I noticed uh that uh we were in Toronto is the scene immediately following this when they're in massive dynamic. Uh because oh, Olivia then immediately goes through um into this like walkway. And hey, uh, that's the inside of the ROM. That's the inside of the crystal in the ROM. Uh, oh so wow! We're in Toronto for this, yeah, yeah. Uh, so if you go to Toronto, you can you can be inside Massive Dynamic if you want. A little <laughs> part of Massive Dynamic, at least. Uh, it's where all the words are on the side, like you know, all the, the stock cool tickers fanciness. going around. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's that's just the inside of the ROM. Uh, so yeah, uh, fun fact: this first episode was filmed in Toronto, and then they're like, "Nah, Vancouver's cooler," and went there. Yeah. Slash cheaper. What's, uh, what's really weird is in that scene with the stock ticker, it has some buzzwords like productivity and fundamentals, but also consolidation and acquisition. Uh, and business. expansion. And it, it 
yeah, business word, business word. It's important. That's Synergy. how you know that you're a big company. When business, you have business, 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 business. Isn't this working? <laughs> like, uh, do you not take them seriously because of that? Like, that's how it works for me. <laughs> I, that's how I know to invest in them. Yeah, if I ever walk into a company and they don't just have a dozen business words all over their walls, I'm not paying any money there. <laughs> Buzzwords are the only way that I invest. Uh, but yeah, so she ends up talking to Nita Sharp, who's the executive director of Master Dynamic. We find that uh, she had cancer at one point and was only discovered because of a Master Dynamic uh, patented uh, scanner. They did surgery that was also patented by Master Dynamic. The drugs were created by Master Dynamic. And she then she got a uh, robot arm that was also made by Master Dynamic. And when we say robot arm, we don't mean like a prosthetic. We mean like full on like sci-fi yeah like, it's a cyber arm. well <laughs> done too like once again i feel like that cgi holds reasonably well yeah it's it's shiny and it but it has presence like the entire scene is very bright so it doesn't mm -hmm. really matter and it, it grabs the table and she moves it oh no i think it looks i think it looks really good it, um, yeah it looks good it gets better later on yes yeah because again this is the pilot and their budget's not huge mm -hmm. I do also like the fact that in this scene, it also basically shows how indebted to Massive Dynamic Nina Sharp is. So if you're hoping to get anything yeah. out of her, good luck. Yeah. So she essentially stonewalls Olivia about uh, Richard and talks about how he, I believe he was fired already? Yeah, Massive he was Dynamic? fired. He was fired for stealing classified information. Yeah. Doing the bad thing. Yeah. And then um basically after stonewalling her nina's like oh do you think he's part of the pattern and olivia's like what's the pattern Nina's like ah you caught me well have fun with that and then well she's like off. well she's like i thought you oh obviously you don't have the clearance for this and olivia's like oh i have if hey if it's something you know about i probably have the clearance and nina's like no <laughs> <laughs> anyways here's the information we have about him go and leave yeah so the information proves out to be like good because they do end up finding him. The uh, the FBI does end up arresting uh, Richard this and... time in the beaches of Toronto, <laughs> <laughs> and they uh, they arrest him and then they start to do like an interrogation process essentially to try and find out what the list of drugs were. Yep, and well, after a fun little after a fun little chase scene. Um, which also, can we point out at this point that within like 24 to 48 hours after getting, uh, Olivia has then had a metal rod inserted in the back of her head, uh, mind state connected with her, um, lover and partner, and then, um, fallen like three stories down a building trying to catch a guy and then fall on a, onto a dumpster. Again. Yeah. She should, she should not be out and about. <laughs> like, Francis is very right. When he looks at her, he's like, you look like shit because Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like, just the wearing off from, like, the LSD, like, that's got to take a day, right? Yeah, she was overdosed on LSD. It's fine, though. Don't worry about it. Yeah. So she tries to interrogate Richard, and it doesn't work. And then Peter goes in and goes, wait, I'm not a cop. I can break your fingers legally. <laughs> and just starts beating him up, essentially. Hey, it gets, it gets the job done. There's... There's a great yeah. uh, hard cut moment there where the guy is going, I'm not going to tell you anything. And then Peter steps on him and then it's a hard cut to Peter. We know what the drugs were. <laughs> yeah. No, Peter's like, he's got a coffee mug over his hand. He goes, you tell me or I'm going to count to one. And he goes, I will tell you everything. And Peter goes, one, smash, yell, hard cut. 
here's the list of chemicals. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is great. Uh, I have it written down here that we also get a uh, Spongebob cameo. Uh, yes. Uh, Astrid and Walter are watching Spongebob. And Walter goes, what a fantastic show, even if the narrative is about a sponge. Well, no, he says it's surprisingly profound, which is, oh, was there yes. a single episode of Spongebob that was surprisingly profound? I haven't watched Spongebob, which is why I ask. Uh, I would say there are a couple, like, like with anything, like early seasons of like kids TV, there are definitely episodes that are way above their heads. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. Just a, a great little like tidbit that he throws in there. But uh, so, yeah, they're watching Spongebob. Uh, they come back. Oh no, the Spongebob thing is later. Is it? Spongebob mm-hmm. is before they arrest Steve, but it's it is, kind but of a it's fine. Right. Be like, what's Walter doing? Joke. He's watching Spongebob. But uh, I just have it in my notes. Spongebob cameo. Yeah, but, no, uh, same, yeah. but it's earlier. So Walter and Peter, this is where we get our techno babble, which I'm sure if anyone knew advanced organic chemistry would be like, yeah, it's kind of accurate. Or they'd, they'd be screaming. Talking. One of those two. Yeah, they're like, hey, this is how we can fix him. And they're like, if you do this, Peter's like, if you do this, it'll kill him. Walter's like, we don't have enough blood to do it the safe way. And Olivia's like, well, yeah, yeah, we do. We have a blood bank for all the agents. So they go to get that and cure Scott. And then Olivia is outside talking to Broyles. And Broyles is like, hey, there's something called the pattern. Yeah, this is where we get actually introduced to the pattern. And Broyles trying to recruit Olivia. Because he's had a massive turn. Uh, and has decided, <laughs> no, Olivia's yeah. actually good at their job. Yeah. Here is the hook for the series, and it yeah. starts out very Monster of the Week-ish, which yeah. is, oh, stuff's happening all over the world. They seem like ex- they seem like scientific experiments. They're all very science-related, yeah. and they've and been just occurring all over the planet in the past months. It's like, a f- it's like a bunch of kids disappeared in 98, but were found halfway around the world. Yeah, that one, that was the one that, like, particularly got to me, was it was like, yeah, no, a bunch of kids didn't age a day, and, like, a hundred of them reappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which it's like, ooh, that's a big disappearance rate. That's that's a lot for ten years. Because, remember, 98 was only ten years before at that point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then a plane in Sri Lanka flies, putting off, like, some frequency, and then a 8.7 earthquake hits, killing 83,000 people. Uh, tsunami from it. Yeah. There was a crazy man who woke up one day and started writing down numbers, and it was like a to the minute uh, like description of where all of the naval fleets of the U.S. were. Some good things, stuff like that. But uh, yeah, so Broyles essentially asks Olivia to join the Fringe Division, and you get you get the fun like I always love lines like these just because they're in everything. And he's like, he's like, join me, and Olivia's like, no, I just want to go back to the way things were before. And Broyles is like, that's not possible. <laughs> that is basically how it goes right there there's going to be so many Barrios impressions in this podcast <laughs> I, I will not be able to do them so, so good luck with that Charlie <laughs> just going to be Charlie well, there's going to be so many of them Oh, it's gonna be great. there's a plane full of melted people and you should figure out who did this and why oh god <laughs> I'm not looking forward to it maybe Barrios dies in season 2 who knows I don't know <laughs> Exactly. You're you're good. You're, don't worry, David. It's fine. <laughs> uh, uh, anyways, so yes, the cure ends up working. Uh, well, Olivia turns down the invitation. The cure ends up working, and uh, John starts to recover. And he's like, 
starting to become healthy. His skin is no longer uh, transparent. You can't see his insides anymore, which is always a good sign. Yay. Uh, she goes back <laughs> to talk saved. to Stieg to be like, hey, you gave us the information. Your immunity still holds for everything you did. Um, but who are you working for? And he goes, oh, well, I have a recording of who I work for. They want to kill me. And so she goes and finds the recording and listens to it. And at the end of the recording, the guy threatening Stieg is like, oh, we'll be, we'll be happy to treat you as family. And it triggers her memory of, oh, no, Agent Scott stepped out of the car at the beginning of the episode saying those exact words. So Scott's a dirty agent. Yeah. Yep. And even though it doesn't quite, like, you can tell sort of that it's Scott on the recording, but even knowing that it's Scott, it's pretty hard to tell. So it's like, it's good that they have that memory in there, because, like, otherwise yeah. you'd be like, really? Where'd you get this from? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so Scott ends up getting out of his hospital bed, putting on some clothing, and then going and killing uh, Richard. Which, yes, like, impressive. Impressive, considering, you know, you'd expect that there'd be more people being very like concerned about mm-hmm. Scott. Yeah, like, oh my god, up, this miracle case. He walks up in a suit and goes, Hey, Agent Scott, here to see this. And the FBI agent standing guard over Stieg is like, Yeah, cool, even though your skin's not fully like tran like opaque anymore, like you can still see a whole bunch of his veins. Yep. It's all very red. He's very, very pale. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, sure, no I know about recovery time in this universe. Just everyone yes. is fine. Once you're over something, you're over it. You don't need any, like, rehab or anything. Yeah. Yeah, uh, basically. So, uh, they find out that Stieg's been killed. Olivia then chases down Scott. They get into a little bit of a car chase and car fight. And Scott's SUV flips. And he comes out and he's super messed up. And Olivia runs over. And... Uh, he apparently dies. Well, no, doesn't. Apparently, he dies in her arms with her asking, "Who do who do you work for?" Uh, but he doesn't answer. Yes, and instead only asks why Broyles uh, sent him, like sent her to the warehouse or well to the storage lockers. Yeah, trying to turn it on Broyles because it it appears that Broyles knew that Scott was dirty and either wanted to test Olivia or wanted to expose scott i'm still not quite sure yeah one of those yeah he had he had some sort of agenda exactly and did you guys see where it was where this car chase happened toronto gardner uh, under the gardener <laughs> <laughs> oh geez toronto is the fourth biggest star in this episode oh that's great <laughs> only to people who know what toronto looks like though no one knows yeah. what Toronto looks like. Oh, sorry. Uh, no one's going to understand what we're saying. Uh, so, uh, we mean uh, Toronto? You know, Toronto, <laughs> Ontario? Wait, home David. of the Toronto Raptors? You mean Trana? <laughs> like, there's no T's in Trana. Yeah, sorry. Trana. There we go. There's one T in, there's one T in Trana. No, no, no. It's C-H-R-A-N-A. It depends how close you live to <laughs> Toronto, obviously. How many T's there are. <laughs> the farther away you are, the more T's there are. <laughs> Yeah, so John dies. Um, Olivia basically is full on for the fringe division. She convinces Walter and Peter to stay in Boston. To be fair, Walter actually convinces Peter to stay in Boston. Yeah. Walter does have a really sad line of, are we going? Well, no. And before that, um, supposedly in the lab, Peter said, Walter was telling me about all the experiments he did um, back in this time. And he's like, "I'm, I'm really afraid of these. 
like I want to get out of Boston as hard as like fast as I can, but like these were terrible. Yeah. And basically says that that's why he's staying. Um, and then we cut back to the closing scene as they cut back to the massive dynamic building. Uh, John Scott is being, his body is being wheeled through and Nina Sharp walks up and she goes, well, how long has he been dead? And the assistant replies, oh, only five hours. And she says, question him, which is a throwback to the earlier stuff where Walter says you can question a dead body as long as he hasn't been dead for longer than six hours. Yep. And we see our first of the uh, glyphs as well, actually, in the show. Oh, no, the last of the glyphs. No, the glyph is, is that the last of the glyph to be seen? Well, no, there's a glyph in that final, in that final scene. Yeah, uh, there's eight glyphs overall as the commercial bumpers. Charlie, I'm not talking about a commercial bumper. Oh, in the in massive dynamic. Yeah. yeah, he means you get to see the glyph. Which is the leaf with the delta on it uh, is hmm. on the door. Uh, it's the handprint scanner on the doors. Yes, oh. in massive dynamic. Yeah. Oh, I guess we never mentioned as well that uh, all of the commercial bumpers they show just this sort of like X-ray image, but there's something wrong with whatever they're whatever's yeah, on, so on it like, as well. It's a butterfly with uh, human finger bones for wings, the leaf with the delta, a hand with six fingers, an apple where the seeds look like fetuses. A frog with phi on its hey, back. Nice. I think are all of them. And then there's a little there's, yellow light, and the well, images no. will be flipped or rotated. There's also smoke, which might look a bit oh. like an X-ray. No. Oh the yeah, smoke, the smoke one. The smoke is a woman screaming. Oh, is it? Okay. Is yeah. it? Yes. I did I not get that, that at up. all. I did not see that. I'll I'll show you the photo for it. Oh, I see it. I see yeah. it. Yeah. That a hundred percent is a woman screaming. Yeah. Okay. It's, they're all supposed to represent like different aspects of the fringe science, and that one's supposed to be astral projection, I think. Oh, yeah. okay, that makes sense. Because the rest that. of them are like biological mutations, <laughs> stuff like that, or right. human engineering. But right. yeah, so for the commercial markers, there's a yellow light, and the image will be flipped or rotated, and some very smart people, the dedicated fringe community, figured out that these correspond to letters, and so every episode has a cipher in it. And the cipher for this one is Observer, which yep. is the first hint we get that the Observers are things. Yeah. And hey, other fun thing about, about the, uh, the glyphs, you can actually make a uh, decoder ring, which is super cool. Uh, oh. you, can find those, you can find that on Thingiverse. Oh, wow. <laughs> it might, may or may not have been the first thing that I ever 3D printed. Nerd. <laughs> I say as we record a fringe podcast... <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, David. 12 years after it aired. Yeah. There's the real part. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so those were essentially, that's our th thoughts of the episode. Do we have any general thoughts about the pilot? It's just a really solid pilot. It's, it's busy, but the pace is pretty good. Uh, they, again, it's Walters. good that it's a double episode. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when we uh, when I watched it the first time with Nick, uh, I was thinking like, "Man, this episode's really fucking long," because I didn't realize it was a double. Yeah, I yeah. when I rewatched it, I rewatched it with my family, and my dad was like, "Is this like a movie?" I was like, "No, no, 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 it's just a double episode." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's just it's one of the better pilots out there. If it's it's a good hook to the show if you can get past the melting people. 
it does a really good job of introducing all the characters, showing like their motivations and everything. Yeah, again, uh, Peter, Peter, and Broyles, I think, are basically the two that their characterizations don't change, but they give them more direction in the mm-hmm. next bit. We also become just less assholes. Like, yeah, yeah Peter, like everyone's just very much an asshole in this. Peter or uh, Walter included. Like, Walter's yeah. Like, Walter bounces back and forth, which is part of him. Like essentially, the only person that, like, the only I'd say, like, male character at the end of it doesn't come off as an asshole is Francis. Yeah, yeah. That's also because we get very little of Francis. Yeah, but like that very little that we get, he's a supportive character. Everyone else is just kind of like, whatever. Stop, stop sleeping with John Scott. Even John Scott, because he was a traitor, doesn't doesn't turn out very well. <laughs> Even the main villain kills his twin brother. Like, yeah, yeah. No, it's there's there's not a lot of good there. Yeah. Also, I don't know if this is ever. I forget. Nick can correct me if this is ever addressed. But Broyles mentions like, I want you to join this fringe team. But the fringe division has been a thing for a while. What happened to the old team? Well, they. I don't think they ever really bring it up. Like. Charlie, like, you can think ahead and, like, maybe where it might be that they bring up, just off of, like, other things um, that we'll talk about later that's not on the show. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> and without David around. Yeah, uh, yeah please, please don't, please don't save the listeners, but then also spoil me. Like, I've also only seen season one. <laughs> exactly. So, Charlie, we'll mention that later, but um, I don't think they ever really mention a previous Fringe uh, like an actual like division or team, uh, and you never really meet anyone outside of essentially Olivia, uh, Olivia, Walter, Peter, and Astrid that are actually that actually mm-hmm. know everything that's going on. Like you know, you see Broyles in a later episode, like meeting with Nina Sharp and like a group of like executives that are yeah, all in the second the episode. Yeah, in the second episode, well, but like I, you okay. don't see anything else other than that, really. Yeah, it, like field numbers. Like they wanted to do something more with it and then just went and eh, this is the first team we can assume we can assume there was an old team and they all just died like yeah they all got brutally murdered somehow yeah it very well might have been that they're like hey this allows us like so we can replace them with like additional team members that were already around might have been mm-hmm. how it was like meant to be uh because that seems kind of smart as for the yeah. pilot hey you don't like this character cool well throw them out and throw in a likable one uh but uh i do think in general their characters are just like i don't like they don't really actually have field team members for fringe it's just a bunch of people going huh this is weird i wonder what's going on here we should send this to Boyle's weird tax uh weird uh task force exactly yeah they handle these kinds of things well i feel like Broyles is super desperate there because he's like god damn i don't have any field members yeah like it basically just tricks other fbi agents working on they're working on the case yeah, because he does mention like the pattern has been a thing for like thirty year. years, forty eight years. No, it's only a year at that point that they've been looking at it. I think. No, but like the events of the pattern have been happening for however long. Like in this episode, he mentions like, "Oh, the pattern has okay. been a thing for." I thought it was only for. I, I must have misheard. I thought it was. Well, only I mean, the children disappearing thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, but it's when they reappeared, which was within the year. But eh, yeah. I don't know. I'm probably wrong on that one. 
we'll see. If anyone ever listens to this, they can correct us, which is Yay, uh, very again. optimistic. Oh, no, sorry. I was wrong. It was 36 recorded incidents of a paranormal nature that occurred in the previous nine months. Yes, okay. I was right. Within the past year. Yeah. But okay, I think that will then wrap us up then for this episode. Yeah. We're yeah. running a little long for at like an fair. hour and something. Well, this is a, double episode. A, it is a double episode. It is a double episode. So yeah, this episode, most of the future episodes should be much shorter than this, we hope. Because we will only be covering an episode at a time. Have fun editing, so David. Just, just so happened to be a double episode. Yeah, no, these two are dicks, and they're making me do everything. I already made the art for the podcast as well. Well, well Charlie, I'm pretty sure that Craig's our editor, right? Or, sorry, yeah. Greg, not Craig. No, Craig. Oh, sorry, I, I got interested in as Greg. <laughs> it's because David is wrong. Craig is yeah. our uh, audio mixer. He's uh, very, okay, sorry, he's very... our sound engineer. He's a very important member of the team. It's it's good. I'm I'm glad. I'm glad that we've got our our, our incredible fourth who's very silent. But don't worry. In a later episode, he will speak. <laughs> <laughs> Wait! Don't make these promises. Well, Craig's just like Craig's just shy. That's all we need to know. You call him Craig. It's Craig. No, I'm pretty sure his name is Greg. That's how he introduced. How you I was know, introduced to him. You know, Gregory. Gregory. Yeah, Gregory. Gregory, <laughs> our sound engineer. I'm gonna oh. love you, but none of this makes the cut. Oh god damn it, David. You better leave this in. Uh, I listen, I'm a lazy fuck. This is all going in. Oh, perfect. That's what I like to hear. Alright, yeah. But yeah, uh so yeah, that was th- thanks. This was the first episode of Four Seasons in a Funeral. Uh I've been David. I've been Charlie. And I guess I've been Nick. Outro. <laughs> The theme music for Four Seasons and a Funeral is Algorithms by Chad Crouch and is licensed under an attribution non-commercial 3.0 Creative Commons license.